0: This is the Roaring Often Podcast and we're back again, we're back, I am back, Dave is back and John Merting is back. We're here with the third part of the interview with John that we did a couple of weeks ago and in this episode we will be talking about the hypest of hypes, the bestest of the best or whatever you want to think about it, Gen AI, We couldn't escape it for too long anymore, could we?
1: Indeed, indeed. And... Uh I guess maybe spoiler. Maybe there'll be more Gen AI content coming up in the future. Anyway, um, this is indeed the uh, the next part of our interview with John. So let's uh, let's just dive on in. Let's go. Well, um, I think another topic that we sort of touched on uh, very briefly during the intro was uh, that of you know generative AI and open source and. Uh, yeah. Oh my yeah. this has been the very much the year of gen ai and every time i say gen ai i think uh yon twitch is just a, a little bit more um, so i'm going to carry
2: all,
0: on saying gen we ai we
2: all <laughs> thank you ChatGPT.
0: gpt right uh... it's yep. gemini now chat is so 2003 oh yeah yes. <laughs> things move, things
2: move.
1: exactly but you know it it's one of those things where um, it almost feels like um, you know, if we went back um, back a couple of years, these are the sorts of things that sort of um, you know the the big data companies. I think maybe we need to go back more than a few years, mm-hmm. but uh, go back five years, maybe. Like these are the sorts of things that uh, a lot of the big data companies were really trying to trying to answer and trying to get to, but the the tech wasn't quite there yet, and it feels like. Mm-hmm this this past year there's been a whole new generation of generative kind of ai that that's come out and really taken the world by storm oh there we go i got a, a really strong twitch from from you <laughs> that was a, a physical reaction um we're,
2: we're gonna break john by the end of this podcast. i think
1: so i think so i think he'll be a gibbering wreck um so uh, yeah, watch us on YouTube if you want to see uh, Jan as a as a gibbering wreck. Anyway, um, but
0: positive it, messaging. It... We just heard it about positive messaging.
1: <laughs> yeah, a positively <laughs> gibbering wreck. Um, but one of the this kind of things is it, it feels like the the open source space has almost been uh, kind of leapfrogged um, by a lot of what's going on. A lot of this is, is sort of based on a lot of a lot of closed models a lot of closed data sets and and now kind of open source based solutions are starting to to come to the forefront but they're or starting to come um, into similar sorts of areas but they're they've got a lot of catching up to do so really curious you know what you've seen in this space and and how how you're seeing kind of the the, the parts of the industry that you talk to kind of reacting to it
2: yeah i mean it's it's really interesting because i think there is there is so much now grappling with the concept of ai that we've been as a society able to kick the can down the road um until you know it's open ai kind of sprung this on the scene of us as something that's front and center that we need to pay attention to and it's it, it, it's really it's really interesting, you know. And so, I mean, you all have been you all through went through the big data hype cycle, and so you can probably you could probably sit back from this, you know, from the rocking chair with your cup of coffee and say, <laughs> "I've seen this play out before. We've seen where this is, right?" And, and so, I, I I think there's a degree of that. Um, you know, what we have seen with all of this is there is a general challenge of trust mm. that is the number one blocker across the board you know it's blocking enterprises from getting into this area and I mean, GitHub a copilot i mean every company i work with practically blocks it um or at least the majority of them i mean so it's a very very common thing um there's a lot of you know, regulatory, you know, things in various different industries that are getting in there. I mean, the problem is, is data privacy laws are, are just as strong as, as AI learning models. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a, it's a real tricky area we live into. And, and there's always this, you could, you could argue the, the closed model versus open model almost feels like the not invented here syndrome to some degree. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe that's a little bit, you know, too much of a skeptic's view, but it, it, it does have a little bit of a feel like that. The, I think there's an
1: element of it, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think what we're gonna basically find is here one, if, if the idea is to have wide AI adoption, the trust model has to get figured out. Yeah. Right. That's that is a number one sort of thing. And the and second when, when part you of it is,
1: just just oh, to ahead. dig into that a little bit, like when you say the trust model. Because the, there are lots of different elements to this. There's like the trust of the, you know, the let's say the, the companies behind these in the first place. There's the trust in the data sets that they use to train their models. There's the the trust in the models themselves. Like, is it is it all three of these? Is it the trust those the and more? The is it, yeah, the trust the yeah. providers of the model? Like, wh- wh- is it all of these things equally? Or do you think one or more of them is... Is more important.
2: I i think you're going to run into all of them, frankly, because you, you knock one trust down, the others you know pop up. I mean, it's it's all of the pieces to it, because you know, AI to our collective society brain is this is this black box of you know we type something, and I and I know ChatGPT is sort of the 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 you know the thing of the day here, and next time mm-hmm. we come around, it's going to be Gemini or. You know, maybe you know Johan here is going to come up with some like really cool LLM or, or something like that. Um, but it's a black box. Mm-hmm. Like you put something in, you get something out. You're like, wow, how the hell did this happen? Right? It's it's magic, right? And that magic is just a confusing. I mean, I don't I don't want to kind of like simplify, but it's a very like a confusing aspect. It's kind of and it's and it's a very kind of scary one yep. because. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help when we've had like cultural, you know, movies and stuff of AI robots taking us all over. So then you have that half of it come in there. <laughs> um, I, I heard a really good keynote earlier this year um, when I was in an event, and um, it was centered sort of uh, around sort of the digital creators, um, you know, space, right? And they really likened AI to being not something that replaces them, but as sort of a tool to augment of what they're doing to help them do their job better. And it sort of likened it to going back to various tools that have been developed over time. And each of those, when they came through, were always looked at as um, attacking sort of the creative, mm-hmm. right? But in the reality is it, it opened up the creative to be more creative and not let the tool be less of an impediment. So there's there's some of that mindset that I think one has to change or that, that it's probably going to kind of come through as it comes through the wash. And and we sort of saw that a little bit with big data where it all swung way to the one side mm-hmm. and eventually it swung all the way to the other. And then we ended up somewhere in the middle. But anyways, it's probably a little bit of a side. Um, when the, we're getting to the trust model, all the things you listed are extremely important. And the fact is, is that trust won't be there until people can have a sense that they can see what's going on and then understand the data of how it got there. And it's not to saying that every one of us on this earth is going to be able to look in and, and comprehend and, and understand all the pieces to it, but by the idea of being able to have third parties and other groups that can go in there and do some degree of inspection and understand um, what that looks like is gonna be an important thing. The other half is, is to, to make these models work, you actually need good data. You need really, really good data. And you know who has the really good data? The people that don't want to give it up because it's <laughs> proprietary. So you have that sort of issue that, that pops up. So um, anyways, I've rambled here a whole bunch and probably not answered any parts of the question, but it's kind of par for the course. <laughs> Uh, John, you you kind of you you only um, you know shriveled your face three times today. So you go. <laughs> yeah, I just want to
0: hook into the creatives and the tools that get uh, presented, and they kind of get scared because it's going to take them my creativity. Yeah, I think there's kind of a, a, a segmentation, which the black box is a, is a good analogy there, because some of the things are just templates; they're static. If I take the template today, tomorrow, or next year, it's that same template. I know what it does. I can work with it, and it's just part. Now it's a hammer. Simple. Yeah. Gen AI kind of stuff, the co-pilots, I personally hate them. Not for security reasons and stuff like that, but because if I let the co-pilot write it, I'm no longer a programmer. Because it's a dynamic thing that can do way too much. And at some point it's like, why am I still here? So for me, I don't like them because they're too dynamic. They're too, they go too far, they, I lose control. And in the end, I'm actually working on small pro- software projects at the moment. I want to be able to give that to the person I'm making it for for mm-hmm. with the confidence that I know what that thing is doing and it's mm-hmm. supposed to work as it's supposed to work. The more you lean on the co-pilot, it's great. they're not that good yet. I mean, there's still more templating with a little bit better than traditional templating, but we are going further and further down where the, the Gemini demo from uh, earlier this month, they actually showed entire applications being built and things like that. At a certain point, am I still creative at that point? And if I'm not, why am I still calling myself a programmer? So there's a bit of personal pride in there. And it's, I mean, yes, you're right about the whole security thing as well, but I do think also that you have two kinds of people, one kind that wants to kind of get it done as quickly as possible because I'm just doing this as a day job and when it's done, it's done and I can go fishing, whatever. (laughs) And -hmm. you have the other people that just, develop software or whatever they do but Gen AI is encroaching upon now doesn't matter what it is more from an artisanal point of view where you kind of this is my soul I'm putting into this code a little bit let's over let's hyper hyperbly is good let's use it and that's for me is the the, the, the problem I'm seeing that I'm kind of losing that through all of this Gen AI automation I, I it's no longer my thing I, I can't I can't be proud on it anymore
2: it's interesting because I like, I think of like other industries that have probably went through this, you know, challenge, like I could see, um, you know, and kind of like a, you know, kind of like woodworkers and things like that. I mean, I know it's not a direct comparison, but if you think about it, you know, so much of if you go back in the time, it was all like hand created, right? I mean, you probably, you know, could walk around and just see like how much was built with people's hands, built with hand tools mm-hmm. and all of that. And then newer tools came in over time that help basically make that creation process move faster because the pace of society needed to move faster with it. And then what you naturally then see is sort of these, you know, turn back sort of the clock and then sort of these, you know, artisanal approaches that still sort of maintain um, and come back in vogue. And, you know, you see that with, um, you know, custom furniture makers. You see that in all sorts of different areas. And, And I wonder if like the same pattern... Could potentially end up happening here. I mean, I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you that it's sort of like a sad moving into an era mm-hmm. that you know you, you you can't write your own if you know statement. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: but,
2: but at the same, or you know, have sort of your own sort of like you know view of like how you do a class construction mm-hmm. and like how you would apply an iterator pattern and you know. I hate singletons. Never like use them. Where, where, yeah, where there's just sort of, like, there's sort of a beauty of how you think about the interface of an API, that it's going to be really hard for an AI, you know, generative tool to do with that level of personalization. Mm-hmm. It could do a generic, like, it could it could probably very easily click, kick out, you know, a factory pattern class, um, you know, for multiple database backend access, because there's, you know, what have you. But you know, as you might want to have some interesting nuance of how you might want to approach certain parts of it um, or think about other things, AI is just not going to be able to capture that. I mean, no AI tools over time. And if you think about any sort of creative tool out there, even if you go back to, like, a carpentry thing, I'm not a carpenter, so I'm just kind of, like, making this shit up. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, actually, my father-in-law is into woodworking, and, um, you know, you... Um, one of the things he started doing was, like, making these um, bowls out of, like, tree stumps. Mm-hmm. Like, and ones where you kind of have to carve out the internals of Wooden bowls, they mass produce at frickin' Ikea, right? But the ones he's doing is he's literally there grinding out a tree trunk to get to that kind of perfect bowl, that unique shape and whatever. The utilitarian end is the same, but there's a different feel that you have sort of to the one. I mean, an IKEA bowl, I mean, you're probably not going to have a sort of that centerpiece of your kitchen. Maybe you will if you fill it with <laughs> <laughs> But one of these here where somebody has carved this out by hand, that is a piece that you relish. Like history. That is a piece that you have pride in. Now I don't story. know how software ends up tying back to this. I really don't. But,
0: uh, I'd, I'd love it if someone would pay me extra to write a program with more bugs because it has a personal touch. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, but maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm Sadly. working on this right now, and I don't, I don't, I don't have an idea where like all this. I don't have an idea where this conversation is going. But um, <laughs> one, 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 I mean, are you know, if you think about like on. You know some of some of the indie sort of developer you know schemes there. and you could you can always sort of tell like a feel of an app that you use that is sort of built by someone with a very opinionated view of the world mm-hmm. versus something where, and especially even on a mobile app side, versus something that you just sort of like used a code generator for most of it, then you just yeah. sort of basically it's functional, right mm-hmm. There's always that different feel. And all of us, you know, if having the choice between, Something that has, you can tell, has that personal touch and feel to it of how it's put together. There's a thoughtfulness of the user in it versus something that was generated out. We sort of know where we're all kind of generated. Even if we don't give a shit about any of those features in a personal, it's just, it's just that thought in there has so much in it. I don't know. Like... That, that's maybe maybe that's an angle in there. Maybe I mean, maybe maybe John, you don't have to like create a whole bunch of bugs and get paid for it. I don't know. No. Maybe maybe it's about maybe being it's different. it's just because like the view that you have of this is the thing that somebody identifies
0: with. It's being a little bit different because I mean, video games I think are a good analogy for this because you have these uh, AAA companies that do ray tracing and huge yeah. text or whatever, and they have they have this little indie game like Among Us, mm. yeah, which is a stupidly silly simple game, oh, yeah. But it was not something anybody has thought about. It wasn't the, yeah. the another first-person shooter. It was something quirky, different. And that's, yeah, is that still science or art at that point? I think the artistic part is what AI won't be able to reproduce right. anytime soon. They will at some point probably. Things will happen. But there will always be that quirkiness. Humans are quirky. AIs are AIs. But maybe,
1: maybe a different parallel could be um like so in the motion picture industry uh motion capture like Uh going all the way back and i had to i had to quickly look this up because i was then as i was thinking about this as you were all talking so sinbad beyond the veil of mists was actually the first uh movie uh primarily made with motion capture and that was uh that was back in in 2000 and it was only sort of relatively short period of time between that and um, yeah, Peter Jackson's um, first Lord of the Rings movie in 2002, which of course had um, sort of Gollum making an appearance. And I, so I wonder if, if we draw this sort of parallel about generative AI being used as a tool and the parallel between like motion capture and the end result there, like, there are frankly things created by using motion capture that you could not recreate with just actors, even the very best actors um, with prosthetics it just, this is, there are things that you cannot, you cannot do. So I guess one of the questions is if, if generative AI becomes more of a tool like that, then maybe there are, or will be like completely different kind of um, situations scenarios and use cases that it will open up that we just can't do today with our, our current approaches
2: I think it's a great way to think about it like you know and and you know the the motion picture industry is kind of an interesting one with that because there you know there was so much really amazing technology that has been built and and that industry as a whole sort of saw their transformation as um, the selling point is is not um, all of the explosions and all of the other sort of special effects in there. It's the story, and it's those things that people connect mm. to. And AI can fill in the gaps with a lot of that, but, and this is probably something the screen actor skill is betting on, um, are they going to be able to replace the impact of a George Clooney? in a movie? Can AI do that? Can it replace, you know, the impact of, you know, filling your other favorite actors in there and just sort of the uniquenesses and the rawnesses and the things they have in there? Um, You know, will AI be able to do it? Maybe. Maybe you get enough good of a training model, enough things you can do it is is reasonably well. But um, there's a touch that ends up getting lost and, you know, you can catch it. I mean, we already catch enough, even with as good as, you know, uh, special effects things are. I mean, you can, you can point out when something's, you know, special effects in a movie really easily, um, you know, even with a lot of that. Um, and, and so I guess I sort of wonder is like, over time, is that authentic? Is, is the need for us to attach to something very authentic and personable is going to be the thing that's really going to be fixated on? And as long as we're able to still see those pieces important, and the path to get there might use AI as a component of it, just as in the same way that you know special effects and other things we use a component of it. So you'd have that ability to really make that connection over you know there. I don't know. I mean, it's. I don't know if I, I capture where you were going with that, right? Or no,
1: i i I, the, I think like, it's I think it's I think it's perfectly perfectly valid. Like the. You know again like keeping with maybe with the the film's um kind of theme you know look at one of the biggest films of last year top gun maverick like the one yeah. of the big pieces about that was that so much of that was done practically with real aircraft actually flying actors in albeit the rear seats of uh, <laughs> of, of, of like twin seater aircraft rather yeah, than I, them actually I, I flying through
2: some of those things i would have probably been, you know <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, there
1: was... And it was augmented with special effects, for sure. Like the, You know, some of the aircraft weren't flying quite as closely to each other as they were in certain scenes. They didn't really fly...
0: You know um, you're ruining the whole movie for me now, right? I mean...
1: <laughs> they didn't really fly one aircraft vertically up through two others that were right next to each other. Like, yeah. those flights happened. They just weren't quite as closely aligned as it, it was made to look on film. But um i think you know maybe where i'm drawing this parallel this particular parallel is this this world where you know trying to find out like what are the things that we can um you know automate away what is the what's some of the maybe the the drudgery that that we can kind of um deal with and how can we free ourselves to spend more time doing things that are far more interesting far more uh, far more valuable, um, and yeah, that's part of it. And then the other part is just you know how can we how can we augment even the fun stuff that we're doing with with assistance, whatever that assistance might look like.
2: I think it's a great way to think about it.
0: There's also a difference between special effects and special effects. You yeah, have special effects that are effortless, and special effects that take a lot of creativity. And just mm-hmm. think about Star Wars, the first three movies and the second three movies. In the first three movies, those Imperial Star Destroyers were not real. That was a special effect. It was a physical special effect. And when they exploded, they kind of had to film it from below to see the cloud happening, whatever. When the three other movies came out, they had real computer graphics in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the first, but most people love the first three movies. The second three movies, even though there was a lot more money spent on those and a lot more special effects, and a lot more computer generated, whatever, there were a lot less charming a lot less engaging and i mean the story isn't great right i mean star wars stories (laughs) it's like one paragraph you have the whole story told i mean that's fine it's it's an action movie but even on that level just the old movies where it's always been done more manually more with more human creativity while the second movie you just saw oh yeah that's a special effect they painted that thing in they did the same thing they did before and that's where ai for me goes wrong when it just becomes the reason they go for there is because they can do it copy-paste, so it's cheaper and faster and easier, and you lose that creativity. If you look at Tron, fully manually colored in, Tron 2 it looks great. Didn't
2: have it. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting way to think it. So it's almost like us as a human brain are 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 going to be able to discern between AI and not AI. Between
0: effort and no effort. For me,
2: yeah, effort and low effort. That's a good way to put it. Actually, I mean, you can you know, see somebody I mean, sweat
0: and blood in there, and that why computer did that.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about uh, it, like most of the, like the 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 groundbreaking you know things of our time, always we can tell that there's like a uniqueness and sort of rawness that brought it in there that made it interesting. And the Star Wars franchise is is absolutely great example. I mean, that's what just sort of blew that completely up and got so much um, you know fanfare around it was that rawness and was kind of that approach to it. And, you know, the uniquenesses of it and, and, you know, and George Lucas being sort of so interconnected to it. And you see that with with other things as well. I mean, you know, I don't have just a, a bunch of old Macs behind me because like I'm a, you know, I'm a <laughs> retro storage station. But, you know, if you if you look at some of like the design and thought patterns that, that went into all of them, it's sort of, it, it has that same sort of connection as well. It's more than just a device that does computing. But it has a form, it has a function, it has a way the interacts, it, it has a way that you react to it, it has a way that you feel about it, and it's, and it's so much why you know you know Apple Macintoshes you know for decades have been uh, connected to creatives because of that. Yeah. It's yeah, also yeah. why in the mid '90s the company was about ready to fold because they just they created ugly ass beige boxes for a while. <laughs> but um, when they were at their peak is when they were doing just really creative, brown, groundbreaking stuff, and. I guess I guess sort of the moral of the story is is, if if AI is a tool that helps accelerate to be able to do that unique stuff, it which it, it I think is going to be the path we're going to get down, it becomes it becomes a help to our society, um, and it feels like at least if us three in the room are the ones the d- discerners of quality versus not. Which I feel like we rep- we, we I mean we, we have a pretty good representation of, of good taste here. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the 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 things that the things that are, are, are clearly the low efforts and just pure AI are, are just going to be tossed aside, yeah. and they're not going to be the things that people gravitate towards.
0: It, um, it's again, scarcity scarcity makes value, and if yeah. AI allows you to pump one out every minute, it will lose value yeah
1: once more thank you john for all of your thoughts wisdoms and rambles um always exciting and always interesting to kind of talk through these topics and uh today was no different so thanks again john really appreciate uh, your time as always so unless there's anything else from you john
0: No, we're really looking forward to the next episode where we'll be continuing the discussion on Gen AI, but uh, as we're known to do rambling around and going to places where you couldn't expect us to go, next episode is going to be a doozy. (laughs) Indeed, indeed.
1: (laughs) But that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, do all the YouTube things. You can also go to RoaringElephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. And please send feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until next time, my name is neither Generative nor AI,
0: Dave. And my name is not a Wookiee yet, Jon.
1: You say that, but I'm not quite so sure. (laughs) And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.